Go ahead and grab your Bibles or devices and turn to the book of Acts. We're continuing our series called The Church. We were going through this amazing book of Acts, where it's actually the Acts of the Disciples and the Apostles. And so turn there. Acts is the fifth book of the New Testament. So it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then Acts. And we're going to be in chapter 13. Uh, chapter 13 is going to be the big number, and we're going to start just read the first three verses of this chapter. And so uh, starting in verse 1 is where we'll get to here in a little bit. But while you're turning there, I want to kind of recap uh, where we've been uh, in studying in the book of Acts, because we're halfway through this amazing book. And so I, there's a shift that's starting to take place um, in our studies. And so I want to kind of point back and remind ourselves of where we've been and where we've come from um, in the life and the founding of this church. So we began from the very beginning of where Jesus has ascended back up into heaven and he has just told his disciples, I want you to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to all the earth, sharing the gospel. And then when we see the Holy Spirit come and ascend upon the disciples and they begin to boldly proclaim God's truth. And we see thousands upon thousands of people come to accept the name of Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And so we begin to see the founding, the foundation of the church. But then all of a sudden, we see uh, uh, the persecution that starts to take place. First, it begins with Stephen, who is boldly preaching the gospel message to the Jewish leaders there in his town. And he is martyred for his faith and for his boldness. Saul is ferociously and fiercely attacking the church. He's doing everything in his own strength and own power to squash this Christian movement. And then we see him become converted on the road to Damascus. And then we begin to see the shift of where the gospel message, salvation is not just being shared with the Jewish people, but is beginning to be shared with Gentiles. We see Philip shared the gospel with the eunuch. And then we see Peter who goes to the house or Cornelius where he eats some barbecue pork, realizes how amazing pork is, and he shares the gospel with them. And it says that all who heard the message was saved in the name of Jesus. And they were baptized on that day. And then Peter goes back to the church and he shares and gives an account of what happens. And the church goes and they have a meeting to decide, can this actually happen? Can Gentiles actually hear and receive and accept the gospel? They respond yes, and they all agree on this. And that is where we pick up in our part this morning as the next steps in the mission work of the church. So read along with me, Acts chapter 13, starting in verse 1. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manon, a lifelong friend of Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. And then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. You see, this was a, 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 a just never, another day of worship for this church of Antioch. See, they had people there and they list here in the first verse, several people, the prophets and teachers, along with some other men who were there worshiping. And as they are worshiping, as they are fasting, as they are seeking the will of God, they want to know God and ask Him and pleading with Him, what is the next steps 
for our ministry? What is the next things that you're calling us to do to go out and to serve you and to glorify you with all that we do? And the Holy Spirit impresses upon their hearts. Now, the reality, we don't know if this was the audible voice or is this just something that was impressed on their heart by the Holy Spirit dwelling inside each of these believing in Christian men. But what we do know is they all felt the Holy Spirit nudge them and say, Barnabas and Saul are to be set apart and sent out to share the gospel message from here. They're, they're set apart for this work, for this work to do. So the question they use this word, the question that we have, and I kind of already gave it away, is what is this work that we are called to do? And this work is to advance the gospel. Now to make sure that we're on the same page, because this, the word gospel literally means good news. So when we're using the word gospel, this is what I am implying. This is what our church believes. This is one of our belief statements on our website that you can read along with us. But it says this, that the gospel is the good news that God, our righteous and holy King, the holy and awesome God that He is, who created the entire universe because of His great love for us, wanting to restore the broken relationship that our sin had caused, sent his son Jesus to live and die and then be raised in our place for punishment for sins. So he sent his son to live a perfect and sinless life, to die a gruesome death as punishment for our sins, but then conquer death by raising from the grave. And because of that, we're able to have faith and place and experience salvation and freedom of having a relationship with Jesus because we were able to be reconciled back to a holy God. Because God no longer, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, God no longer sees our sin. He never longer sees our sin nature, but He sees the sacrifice of Jesus. And so we were able to be restored back to a holy God. And this is the greatest news ever. So people are literally, were literally marching themselves straight to hell eternal torment, where the place that is called a pit of fire, a pit of punishment, a, a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth. It, but God offers the free gift of mercy and love. God offers His Son, Jesus, to be punished in our place. Now, if you've never experienced the freedom of guilt and shame for your sin, if you've never experienced the love of Jesus, if you think that your sin is too great, that you've done too much, you've done too much wrong, how can God love you or forgive you? I want you to listen to me today. He does. See, God's love far outweighs our sin. See, God's love is so much greater than anything that we can out-sin. We can never out-sin the love and sacrifice of Jesus. And so if that's you today, if you're listening in on this message and you're like, Josh, I've never heard this before. I've never experienced this. I feel the weight and the burden of my sin. I want you to reach out to us today. I want you to do the stuff that I want you to either reach out to the church. You can go to our church website and contact us through our contact page. You can contact a, a friend, but I don't want you to wait one more minute. I want you to stop right now. And I want you to reach out to the church. I want you to reach out to a, a Christian brother or sister who, who connected you to our video this morning. I want you to make that steps. Do not wait. God is calling you to respond to His love, respond to the gospel message that He has for you. This is the greatest news ever, and we want you to experience, we want all people to experience the life-changing hope of Jesus. So please, 
Don't wait. Experience and accept salvation today. Now, normally, this would be the time that I would shift and speak directly to all believers in the church. And I would start giving a big, compelling message and almost a, a guilt trip of, hey, why aren't you sharing the gospel? Why aren't we, weren't we going out? Because we know the statistics say that we aren't. We know the statistics say that majority of Christians do not share their faith. The majority of the people who are Bible-believing, fully founded followers of Jesus, only one in 33 people actually have ever shared their faith before. And so this is a time where we can, we can lean into that guilt and lean at that weight and lean into this burden. But the reality is we know that that doesn't work. See, we aren't compelled by guilt. We aren't compelled by this. I, I just talked about we want to be experience the freedom away from guilt and shame. And so I want to lean into the opportunity that each and every one of us has as followers of Christ. I want us to all to experience what it means, the, the excitement of going and sharing God's love with others. I also want you to hear the words, most importantly, from a man who knew the cost and willingly made sacrifices and went, stepped into awkward moments, stepped into dangerous moments to share the gospel for Jesus because he knew that this was the greatest message. This is the greatest thing that we ever going to hear. The greatest news, it literally is called good news. And he wanted everyone that he came in contact to hear. So listen to these words. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. as is written, the righteousness shall live by faith. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come and see you or I am absent, I may hear that you're standing firm in one spirit and in one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign for them of their destruction, but your salvation that is from God. But whatever gain I had, I count a loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything else a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered and lost all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that one that comes from the law, but one which that comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. See, this passage, the first one from Romans and the last two from Philippians, are the writings of the Apostle Paul. See, Paul is this man, Saul, that we're reading about that's being sent out by the Holy Spirit to go out and do the work of spreading and advancing the gospel. See, Paul, who has a, a horrendous testimony, because I know what you're saying here, like, Josh, Paul, from what I read about him, he's an incredible man of God. But I want to remind you, he is a sinful man just like you and me. There is nothing distinctly different of Paul than any believers today. See, like you and me, he is a follower of Christ and he has the Holy Spirit dwelling inside him. And yes, he was inspired by the Holy Spirit to write a third of the New Testament. 
and that he wrote God's words down for him and went out, but he also suffered greatly for his ministry. But yet willing, what he said, I count them as rubbish. I count anything that I could have gained on my own so small and minuscule compared to the surpassing greatness of just simply knowing Jesus. This is the man who went out. But also listen to this, prior to his salvation, he was a murderer. He ravaged the church. He set it as a goal to, to remove all Christian families from this world. And as he was on his road, on the way to Damascus to destroy the church there is when he encountered salvation for the very first time. And so a man who has such an ugly past experienced the love of Jesus. And he knew that by the love that he experienced, the grace and mercy that he had received from God, how could he not share that with others? How could he not go and boldly tell everybody he could came? It's kind of a joke that when he was in prison, he was literally chained to prison guards and they had to kept on swapping out prison guards because he kept on talking about Jesus nonstop to him and leading people to him. What an amazing testimony and what an amazing opportunity. But we have the same opportunity as he does. See, we have the freedoms in our country right now that we are not going to be persecuted like the early church was. We're not going to experience the persecution that even our, our Christian brothers and sisters are experiencing in Afghanistan right now. We live in a country where we can boldly and proudly share our faith. And we can step into moments that may be awkward. They may seem difficult at times, but how much do we have to love somebody just to tell them about Jesus? We want them to experience the exact same thing. I think about this concept. If we had the cure for cancer, wouldn't we want the whole world to know it? Wouldn't we want the whole world to know that we can cure and end this terrible disease that destroys so many families and takes so many lives each and every day? Wouldn't we want everybody to know, yet we have the greatest news, even greater than the cure of cancer. We can literally save people from the grips of hell. And we have the opportunity to be able to take this message and share it with them. Let's love people enough to be able to tell them about their need for Jesus. See, it's very clear in verse, verse 2, it says this, The Holy Spirit set apart for me Barnabas and Saul, and for the work to which I have called them. And you see, yes, to answer the question, they, the Holy Spirit distinctly call Paul or Saul and Barnabas to go on mission. And the answer is yes. Yes, see, Jesus does have a, a particular calling, a specific calling on people's lives. See, there's people that where we hear the pastors of this church, the pastors of First on the Scottsdale, Pastor Chad, Keith, and myself, we have a distinct calling in our lives to serve in ministry as our vocation. God has made a clear calling on my life when I was a junior in high school that I was going to serve Him as a pastor, that I was going to give up any other desires of business affairs and entrepreneurial stuff that I wanted to do, that I, I was excited to do, yet when he called me into ministry, I couldn't do anything else but that. You see, we think about the missionaries like the Millers or the Hoshawaras who are living and serving in Southeast Asia. See, they left their families and friends all that they knew because God had set them apart for a set time to go and serve and tell people about Jesus in this other country. 
I also think about the Akines who live here in Scottsdale, who, who are a part of our church family, who serve each and every week with us here in different capacities, yet they are serving as missionaries to the college students at Scottsdale Community College. See, these people, yes, have a specific calling on their life and are set apart to serve them and serve and share the gospel and advance the gospel for His name. And God may have a specific calling on your life. He may be calling you for a season to step out and go serve Him. He may be calling you to go and live as a missionary. He may be calling you to vocational ministry. He may be calling you these things. And we want to help you explore that. If God, you feel a sense, a draw, a, a stirring of the Holy Spirit in your own heart, we, we want to discuss that with you and help you and lead you in that. But this calling isn't for everybody. See, Charles Spurgeon said it best like this. He says, don't do ministry if you can do anything else. If there's anything else in life that you can go do and be happy and satisfied and content, go, he says, go and do that because you are not called. And I can tell you from my own personal experiences, and you could ask other people who, who work in vocational ministry have similar experiences, that when you try to do something else outside of God's calling, you have an emptiness inside. And so if you have experienced that, you know that God is calling you to ministry, we want to help you grow in that. We want to help you lead in that. So please reach out to us. Let's have a conversation about that. But I don't want you to think that you're off the hook. Everyone's off the hook because you're like, hey, Josh, I am not called to be a pastor. I am not called to be a missionary. I'm not called to have, God has a gift in me, wired me, giving me a passion or desire for these things. And you may be getting a little bit excited, like, whew, I'm off the hook for this. But the reality is God has a general calling on each and every Christian's life. See, every single follower of Jesus is called to ministry. We are called to evangelize and to share and to stir each other up in our relationships with Jesus. See, listen to what Jesus actually says in Matthew 9, starting in verse 35. And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And listen to this. And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and hopeless. And I love this. Like sheep without a shepherd. And then he turns to his disciples and he said, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly that the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. You see, the world desperately needs to hear about the love of Jesus. The world, your neighbors desperately need to hear that God can change their lives. Your coworkers, your family, your friends, the guy who bags your groceries at the grocery store, the barista who makes your coffee in the morning, they need to hear about God's love for them. They need to know that they can experience life-changing hope through the gospel. And God has placed you where you live, work, and play to be able to have the opportunities to share God's love for them. You see, the reality is we are the laborers, and He has placed us out into the harvest, to work the fields, to share the gospel with those who are around us. Every single one of us is called to share His love. Each, every single one of us is sent on mission every time we step foot 
out of our house. Sometimes it may be in our house. As a father of, of four children, I am called to lead my children and share their love of Jesus with them. And praise God, two of my oldest have accepted Jesus, but I have two little ones who have not yet. And so their mother and I share God's love with them often. And we remind them of God's love for them. We teach them the stories and we remind them of the gospel so that one day that God may open our hearts and draw them to himself. It's the opportunity that God has given us that when we go out to be able to share his love with every single person. See, the message that we are to share is where Jesus says in John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. But listen to verse 17. For God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world. He didn't want to put shame on the people for their sin and not accepting him or rejecting him. No, God sent him into the world in order that the world might be saved through him. The bottom line is this. All of us are sent. Each and every one of us has the opportunity to share the life-changing hope of Jesus with every single person, every man, woman, and child that we come in contact with. God has given you that opportunity. Now in the passage this morning, we saw that as they read, as they felt the Holy Spirit say, set apart Saul and Barnabas. It says that the leaders of the church laid hands on them to commission them to be sent out and to go on this mission trip. And as your pastor, I would love the opportunity to be able to, to pray for you now. And so I am not able to physically lay my hands on you, but I want you this to be a symbolic symbol and time that I'm gonna pray over you and pray for God to give us each of us opportunities to share his love with those where we live, work, and play and commission you to go out and live on mission and be sent. Let me pray for you. Father God, as we close this morning, Father, I pray that you would excite and enlighten our hearts for the opportunities that you have given each and every one of us to share your love with others. Father, I pray that we would be a people who boldly tell people about Jesus. Father, that we go and we, we listen and we build relationships with people and, and we care for them and we look for every opportunity that we may have to boldly proclaim your name. When people ask, why are you so kind to us? Why are you serving? Why are you doing this? We can say it's because Jesus loves you and I love you. And I want you to know of the love that Jesus has for you. And God, I pray that you would give each and every one of us the words to say, the power to be empowered to say and speak boldly your name to those in our community. Father, to our neighbors, to our families, our friends, our coworkers, whoever is in our lives, each and every one of us that needs to hear your name, I pray that you would give us that opportunity and that we would step in. And Father, I pray that we would live as being sent. That as we walk out the door of our house, we know that we are stepping foot into the mission field. And that every inter interaction, every conversation that you have given us is an opportunity to share your love with someone. So Father, allow us to be a people who don't shy back. Father, allow us to be a people who lean into sharing the gospel, who take every opportunity, who get excited and refueled and rejuvenated each and every moment that we can. 
Father, we thank you and we love you. And we ask this in the holy and precious name of Jesus. Amen.